Welcome to the Rimfire Tactical Podcast. This is your host, Chris, from rimfiretactical.com, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to episode 75, everybody. Pretty excited to say, you know, 75 episodes in, it's not exactly something I had ever anticipated. Uh, recently, I had seen an, a, um, an article talking about podcasts and said that something like 80% of the podcasts never pay, make it past uh I think it's uh fifth episode. So, um, you know, just humbled and grateful that you guys uh, continue to tune in and check it out. And, um, you know, I, I see the numbers. I see your number of listens and listeners go up each week and just so appreciative of that. Um, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, I'm glad you're here. Uh, there's obviously at least 74 other episodes that you can go back and check out. And if you're a returning listener, thank you. Thank you so much for continuing to check it out and listen to me ramble on talking about rim fires and rim fire shooting and, um, you know, all the things that uh, are related to that. It's a huge passion of mine, something I really enjoy. Uh, one thing I'd like to ask you to do is wherever you're listening to the podcast, through, whether it's iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Shopify, Best Buy, wherever you're listening to it, Give us a five-star review. Give us a review so that uh, the algorithms and all of the uh, podcast software, that's how it decides what uh, podcasts are going to be recommended to people as they're doing searches. So anything you can do uh, to give us a review, that helps us because it tells the algorithm, hey, not only are people listening to this, and, and literally at this point, we've had tens of thousands of downloads and just so grateful for it. So not only are people checking it out, but they're giving it reviews, so they must like it. Um, So it would be a huge benefit if you could do that for us. Now, if you're checking out the podcast and you're not familiar with Rimfire Tactical, there's a couple other ways you can get in touch with us. One of them, if you happen to be a Facebook or Instagram uh, person, uh, we do have a large Facebook group. It's about 20,000 members strong. Uh, when this is being recorded, depending on where you're listening, could be quite a bit more at that point, but we're over 20,000 members and um, we do a great job of keeping that group uh, very clean. And when I say very clean, we ask people who are joining to make sure to answer the questions that you have to answer before you can become a member. They're basic, they're simple. And anyone that's familiar with rim fires and shooting should have no problem answering them. Uh, we we do that with the questions. We ask people to uh, answer those questions specifically so that we can make sure that they're a real person and there's somebody who's actually interested in talking about shooting and reading about shooting and learning about it and things like that versus someone that's either maybe not even real, they're just a a bot that's uh, trying to enter groups to start spamming them and things, or maybe it is somebody, um, you know, unfortunately we've had quite a few through the years. Uh, They're a real person and they're even familiar enough with shooting and guns to be able to answer the questions to get in the group. But the first thing they do is immediately start spamming the group with selling every, or they're trying to sell everything from, guns and ammunition, which are absolutely against the rules, not only Facebook's rules, but our rules, because let's face it, 
Facebook, um, it's their world. We're playing in it. Facebook's uh, rules are very specific about not selling guns and ammunition and stuff like that. And so, you know, they don't allow it on their platform. We don't allow it in the group so that they don't decide to just push a button and delete the entire group. Um, but, you know, we've had people who have done things like that um, a few times here and there. Uh, or maybe they're trying to sell some, you know, fake Oakley sunglasses or, or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, those questions are there to protect the integrity of the group. And I promise they're not real difficult. But if you don't answer them, and this is the key, if you don't answer the questions, you won't get in the group. Um, doesn't matter who you are. And I say that not to be arrogant or anything like that. But there's actually been a few people who are pretty notable in the the gun industry that have attempted to join the group. And let me just first start off by saying, and I would have loved to have them in the group, but they chose not to answer the, the questions. And so I make it a point. Uh, I don't always do this, but I try to at least reach out to people who don't answer the questions and tell them, go in and answer the questions and, you know, we'll get you into the group. And like I said, you know, some of the people in the industry have said, oh, my bad, you know, just didn't pay attention. And others have completely ghosted it. So maybe it was a fake account. Maybe it was them. And they just thought, hey, we don't need to answer the questions. But we do those questions, like I said, to protect the integrity of the group. Now, the next thing is uh, we're also on uh, Instagram. Uh, there's also a website, trimfiretactical.com. That website has been, uh, really hasn't had a lot happen for quite some time. Um, we've been working on a couple of different things. And unfortunately, um, what's tough sometimes is when you're new to anything, you know, you have to kind of work your way through the process. And so um, I have had this vision for a long time of creating a, a gun forum not because there aren't some other good forums out there. There's a few that are, are very good. Uh, there's a lot that aren't. But um, my goal is to create a forum very similar to the Facebook group. And one of the reasons I wanted to create that forum is because through the years, I have seen groups with 20, 30, 50, 60, 80,000 members just disappear overnight because of someone violating one of Facebook's rules and you know one of Facebook's independent fact checkers said well that won't work and just deleted the group and you know from my standpoint if we have a forum that we own that we can control then that gives us an alternative place to, to carry on the same conversations, to be able to share experiences with, you know, all the different equipment out there, talk about matches, talk about uh, what we've learned, ask questions, um, you know, be a resource, an educational resource for people who are just getting started in shooting, as well as those who've been around for a long time. You know, we have a ton of people who come into the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group on a weekly basis that are not new to shooting. They've been shooting or hunting nearly their entire life. 
but they've continued to hear people talk about this crazy thing called NRL 22, or maybe it's Rimfire PRS, or maybe it's, it's not one of those. Maybe it's, it's silhouette shooting or steel challenge or any of the, of, of the other disciplines that are out there. And so they're trying to get more information about it so that they can learn and, you know, possibly get started. And that's the value in that Rimfire Tactical Facebook group. And so from my standpoint, I want the forum to be created so that we have a backup. And the main reason that I mentioned that is if you've been on Facebook and been in any gun groups for more than about 10 minutes, it seems like um, routinely there's someone that will pop into the group and go, hey, this group I was a part of just got nuked. It just disappeared all because Facebook decided to get rid of it. And so, oh my gosh, we need to create a backup and we need to go to this other platform. And it doesn't matter what social media platform you go to. Uh, it could be MeWe, it can be Parler, it could be any of all uh, of a dozen different ones that I've seen people talk about through the years that they said, oh, this is the one. This is the one that will, um, they're going to be safe for us because they're going to let us talk about guns. And a lot of times what I've seen is people want to create a backup group so that they can, you know, try to sell things. <sighs> Had to have a little COVID coffee there. So, you know, they, they want something like that. And the reality is with any of the social media platforms I've seen, um, nobody's going to let you sell. Not unless they're able to monetize it. And so far, that's not the case. From my standpoint, if we have a backup group in another platform, and let's just say, for example, because this it can very likely happen, let's just say that Facebook buys that that social media platform, just like they did Instagram. Well, the minute they buy that, now you're subject to all the same rules with Facebook. And if they look at your group and see you've got tons of guns for sale, guess what? Your group's probably gone. So that's the thing that you have to think about. And that's the reason I want to create a group that is totally, or not a group, but a, a forum that's totally independent. Unfortunately, I have not had a ton of success with that. Had a great guy that was helping me. But, uh, I mean, he was literally helping me as a favor. Um, it's not something that he does for a living. He actually has a very, um, a very good career and um he was just doing this to help me because he likes to shoot so it worked out that we were getting things started but he was having to do it on you know his downtime and like many of us you know his career was taking him in different paths so ultimately he reached out a few weeks ago and just said hey i'm not going to be able to get this done for you you're going to need to find somebody else so i'm actively looking for somebody to help me get the forum, uh, you know, actually off the ground and completely up and running. And the only reason it's not there already, he was able to do a ton of, of things to help me. But one of the things I was concerned about is I wanted some security in place. I wanted some, some filters in place to keep those same bots that I was talking about from trying to join Facebook groups. You know, also, they're known for uh, hitting forums and creating spam posts all throughout. 
So he was helping me do a lot of things on the security side. And it just takes a while, you know, especially if you don't do it every day. So just know at some point that's going to happen. There's also some merch. Um, we've had this together for some time using a different company. Um, can't take communications being real good there. It hasn't. It's actually been horrible. But uh, we're about to the uh, to the finish line, if you if you will, of getting that um, that web store launched. And you'll have some hats and shirts and things like that. And you know, we'll see where that goes. But you can check us out over at RimfireTactical.com. So, like I said, lots of different ways to check it out. One of the things I want to do today, though, is just jump in, real quick episode, talk about some of the matches that I've had the opportunity to shoot over the last few weeks, and um, just share some experiences, good and bad. Um, if you are a newer listener, you'll, you'll quickly understand I have no problem telling you if I've did something dumb and, you know, totally messed up something in a match. Um, I'd rather tell you about it because a lot of times it's been my experience. People don't want to admit when they made a mistake, but if I can tell you about the mistake I made, maybe it'll keep you from making the same mistake. Maybe it'll allow you to win the match instead of losing a match, you know, or something along those lines. So, uh, First things first, let's talk about um, a silhouette match that I shoot in. Now, traditional silhouette has 10 targets at four different distances. You shoot um, standing, unsupported, and in an official silhouette match, there's some weight limitations on what your rifle and and, uh, scope can weigh. Um, there's quite a few rules, I'm sure. The match I shoot in is not an official match, so I'm not going to pretend I know all the rules, and and I'm not going to sit here and you know go to a website and read off rule after rule after rule. But just know um, your rifle needs to be in a certain uh, under a certain weight. I want to say it's around seven and a half, maybe eight and a half pounds. Um, I know at one point there was some rules about um, maybe you couldn't have a thumb hole stock or something like that. A little COVID coffee. Um, but like I said, I don't know all the rules. Uh, I know it's a lot of fun. It's a very challenging sport. And it's something that when I found out my local match was, or my local club, one of them was going to have a silhouette match, I was determined to try to get there to shoot it. Now, when it comes to shooting silhouette, because there is a weight limit on the rifle and scope combo. Um, there's a few different rifles that I see used in my local matches. Um, and online, I see a lot of people use these same uh, specific rifles. It's not to say there's not others that will work. That there most certainly are. But what I have seen used in my local matches, um, and, and I'm a, gun, or a gear guy, so I love talking about the gear. Quite a few people use... Uh, the Onshoots 5418s. Um, if you're not familiar with that particular model, uh, they offered it as an MS model or an MSR. So the 5418 uh, has a uh, an Anschutz or Onshoots 54 action. Um, has the the 5018 uh, trigger, which is as good a trigger as you will find in any rifle anywhere. 
Um, the rifles, if I remember correctly, I want to say they have an 18-inch barrel. Um, I've got two of the things. You'd think I know this, but I don't. Um, and they offered it in uh, the factory. Um, the factory rifles were offered in either a thumbhole stock or a non-thumbhole stock. Um, and like I said, they were offered as an MS, which stands for Metallic Silhouette, or an MSR, which is Metallic Silhouette Repeater. Um, the stocks have a, a higher um, cheek piece. It's ideal for lining up your eye with the scope. And they're phenomenal rifles. Um, so that's a really common rifle. Well, actually, it's not as common just because uh, Onshoots has started to, to uh, make those rifles again. But I think the barreled actions are, I want to say they're like $2,700, $2,800 for the barreled action. The original 5418 MSRs, if you can find one used, because uh, you won't find a new one. They haven't been imported for years. But if you find a, a used one for less than about $2,500, you found someone who either needs money really quickly. Um, they may not exactly know what they have like they may not understand that, that the rifle is actually worth more now than it was when they bought it years ago or it may be in rough condition and um, I've seen all three uh, I've seen um, and actually purchased like I said I've, I've got two of them um, the the two that I have uh, one of them the gentleman did not um, he said he never shot it I don't believe that because, you know, we all shoot the guns for the most part. I mean, I'm sure we all have one or two that we haven't fired, but uh, he'd owned the rifle for quite some time. Um, but he he just wanted to to free up some money. And so he took um, he took a little, bit, a, a little bit less for it. Um, he knew he could get more, but he also knew he might have to wait for a while for it to sell. Um, the other one that I have, uh, the first one's a thumb hole stock model. The second one is a non-thumb hole, and that one of all places, I found it out of Cabela's. Um, and they had had it priced uh, competitively, like it was a good price gun at what they were asking on it. And uh, thankfully, I'd had it shipped to my local Cabela's, and because I've bought a lot from those guys, they, they actually helped me out a little bit more. So um, it's a great deal. But I've also seen a few of them that were uh, pretty rough. And because they were rough, they were lower cost, but they were not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. Um, a more common on-shoots rifle that I see at my local matches and also see people using them online is the on-shoots 1712. It's another 54 action. Uh, it's a taper, uh, tapered barrel, sporter-style barrel. Um, lightweight rifle, high cheek piece, and just a phenomenal gun. Um, I'm fortunate to have a... 1712 Meister grade that oddly enough I found at a Cabela's um, someone had traded in and the folks at Cabela's uh, <laughs> to be blunt they I don't think they they thought they could get anything out of it so it was priced way under what it should have been and it's one of the best purchases I've, I've ever had not because of what I paid for it but because it just shoots that great um, but the 1712 is, a, is an awesome rifle. Um, I see a lot of people shoot matches with uh, one of the CZ uh, American models, either the 452 or the 455 or the 457. Um, you know, CZs are just bang for the buck, some of the best rifles out there. 
and uh, you can do a lot with the triggers to make the triggers really good. So um, I've seen the, like I said, the 452 Americans, uh, the 452 style, seen several uh, people use those. And then, um, you know, like I said, there's the 455s and the 457s, uh, very popular rifles at the matches I shoot. Another popular rifle that I see are, uh, is some variation of a 1022. And I mean, I've seen a little bit of everything from uh, factory stock 1022s in different models to uh, Taxols, um, Kids, Valkortsons, um, the, the, I forgot what the model number is of the Thompson Center version of the, the 1022. But suffice it to say, you know, those are, it seems like you're going to have 1022s that show up at any rimfire match. Um, and then another rifle that is popular at the matches I shoot is the Thompson Contender. Um, and I don't know, I, I'm not from, I know about the Contenders, but I just don't know enough about them. But the um, Contenders are very popular at my matches. Um, there's guys that shoot them with a 16 inch barrel all the way out to a 24 inch barrel. And, um, some of the best shooters that I've seen actually are, are using those. Um, so, you know, you could shoot any particular rifle. You don't have to have a certain style per se, but, um, to try to have something that is somewhat along the lines of an, of a silhouette rifle. Those are some common ones I see at the matches. Um, our matches, since they're not um, certified or uh, a, a, uh, crap, can't think of the, of the phrase, but since they're a sanctioned, since they're not an actual sanctioned silhouette match, they're kind of loose with the rules and things like that. And they're really out just having the match for, you know, some guys to get out, shoot and have fun. Um, when it comes to the scopes, um, most of what I see at my matches, it's either the loophole six and a half to 20, uh, EFRs. There are, uh, several folks that shoot with a fixed power scopes, anything from, I've seen four and six power scopes from some really good shooters who post really high scores all the way to, um, I was using a 6.5 to 20 loophole on my, 1712 and I just recently took it off because um, my eyes have changed a lot over the last several uh, months to about a year I guess and part of another match that I shoot with that same 1712 uh, it has a know your limits target that they like to set up at 50 yards and again at 100 yards and they're putting it in front of a gravel berm and so the problem with it is um the know your limits doesn't get painted very often. Um, like it, at the beginning of the match, it gets painted, but the only time that it gets repainted is if someone actually runs out to repaint it before um, the next shooters come along. And what I've encountered several times is that um, the six and a half to 20 is a great scope, very clear. Um, but the resolution because they paint the know your limits black after it's been hit a number of times, each of those um, spinners, you know, they take on kind of a gray color. 
Well, the challenge with it is it has a gray gravel background behind it. And so even though the rifle will absolutely, it's absolutely accurate enough to hit that, um, that small quarter inch swinger at 50. And, um, and if I can pay attention to the wind, I've, I've got a fair number of hits on it at, um, a hundred. I can't make out at times, depending on the lighting, I, I ran into a challenge with my eyes. I just can't make out the swinger against the, um, the gravel berm that's behind the swinger. So I actually took that six and a half to 20 off and I put an older, it's actually out of production. It's a Bushnell 6,500 elite. It's a 4.5 to 30, um, scope. 30 millimeter tube. I want to say it's a 50 millimeter objective. It's a little big and mine's the tactical model. So it's a little big, a little goofy looking on top of that 1712, but it's as clear as anything else I own. And it gives me a little bit of extra magnification when, when I'm shooting uh, that know your limits. So when it comes to silhouette, like I said, there is no right or wrong. Um, I've actually shot silhouette before. Um, at that same club where there were people there shooting a Marlin model 39 a with a four power Simmons scope on it and absolutely wearing it out. And I've seen people shooting, um, custom rifles that, you know, are probably in the four to $5,000 range, uh, with the best optics that they can afford. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen them shoot terribly bad and I've seen guys with Marlins shoot incredibly well. So it's the great thing about shooting silhouette is it's a discipline that puts a lot on you as the shooter because you're the variable. Um, there isn't a rifle out there that I'm aware of that isn't accurate enough to hit the silhouettes at the different distances. And if you've never shot it, you shoot the chickens at 40 yards, you shoot the pigs at 60 yards, the turkeys are at 77 yards and the rams are at 100 yards and they're sizable. I mean, you won't have a problem hitting them. The challenge is, um, it's, it's all about, you know, how, how well you can control your movement because that's really what's going to control how you score in the match. So a perfect score is a 40. I have never gotten, I've never shot better than a 30, I shot a 36 once years ago, and outside of that, I've never shot over uh, higher than a 32. Um, but that was years ago when I practiced a lot and I shot that match a lot. Um, I found out about the silhouette match happening last week. I found out about it on um, Tuesday morning. Found out it was happening on Tuesday evening. <laughs> and so, uh, thankfully, my rifle is good to go. Um, but, you know, I just decided, hey, if I can get away, if I can reschedule a meeting, I'm going to go shoot it. And so I did. And, you know, it was a windy day. Um, that's the challenge right now. You know, it's spring. And so you could have 80 degrees one day, 30 degrees the next. Um, lots of weather happening. And uh, so the wind was kicking up a bit. Um, but that meant nothing in terms of my scores. Uh, I quickly realized that I'm out of shape for shooting like that, um, hadn't practiced at all. And it showed, um, you know, the, the conditions were a little tough. It was the first match of the year. Um, I believe the highest score shot was a 24 out of 40 
and that gentleman was shooting a uh, Christensen Ranger. Um, but my my score, it was a whopping twelve. And I had jokingly mentioned to one of the guys, if I could just break into the double digits, I would be happy. Um, you know, the sad part is when I was getting hits, um, everything felt right when I was getting or when I was missing, everything felt right. So I really had no rhyme or reason other than just I was so unsteady and um, and just couldn't keep it together. Um, I would get a couple of consecutive hits. And I would follow those up with several misses. So, um, you know, just one of those things. But what I thought I would mention about this is that um, there was quite a few other shooters just like me. They've shot a lot in the past with Silhouette. They've had some success in the past with Silhouette, a lot more than I have. But it was the first match of the year, and most of them had not been shooting very often. And because they hadn't been shooting often, you know, it's muscle memory, it's training, it's um, it's the discipline to not pull the trigger because you are tired of standing in the position. It's to not rush the shot because the crosshair is swinging wildly up and down or left or right or, or in whatever. And you're trying to time the, to break the shot as the crosshair is swinging across the um, the silhouette. And I think uh, th- those people that shoot silhouette can tell you better than I can, but I can't say that that's not exactly how you're supposed to do it because that's sort of what I do. But it's a much more controlled and much slower swinging through the the silhouette than just you know wobbling all over the place. But uh, you know the old adage of practice makes perfect is true, but perfect practice makes perfect is probably more accurate. And so one of the things that I did immediately after the match was I went and dug out my silhouette um, swinger. I've got a swinger set. Um, put the chickens up at, we shoot them at 40 yards, but I put the chickens up at 50 yards. And um, I shot, gosh, I think I put about uh, 100 rounds downrange um, just to, to practice. And man, let me tell you, I mean, it's humbling. Um, it's humbling to just barely miss and barely miss and barely miss. But one of the things that I wanted to share with you that might be helpful is after I shot, uh, like I said, about a hundred rounds, as I went out to pick up my swinger, I noticed that I had a nice little rut in the ground to the left-hand side. And the majority of the misses, and there was a lot of them, but the vast majority of my misses were all to the left of the the silhouette. Now, the day that I was shooting, this was, this was the day after I had shot the silhouette match. Um, I was shooting at a different range and there was a really strong right to left wind. But here's the thing. I'm not blaming that on the wind because it was the misses were far enough to the left that yes, the wind I'm sure caught a few of them, but clearly I have an issue of um, I'm pulling the trigger too soon. And the reason I say that is because normally what I do is I try to get the, the vertical movement minimized as much as possible. And what I have done in the past that has worked for me to an extent 
is I get the vertical movement as minimal as possible, but I try to have the crosshair, um, the vertical line. I try to have that just to the left of the silhouette. And then I move to the right once I've got the vertical movement out of the way. And that's when I break the shot. So clearly I'm starting too far to the left. I'm not being patient enough when breaking the shot. And really what I need to do is probably change my entire strategy to centering everything up as much as I can on the silhouette. And, and then that way, even if I do break the shot early, I should be somewhere on the silhouette instead of completely off of it. So, you know, just a little takeaway from that. Um, the next match that I shot is actually a modified silhouette match. And what they do with this one is uh, they flip the, the order around a bit. So they put the um, chickens at 82 yards and the turkeys at 100, but those are shot off of a bench. And then um, you shoot the pigs at 40 yards standing unsupported and the rams at 50 yards unsupported. And they, they do the match this way to encourage more people to come out because um, a lot of people are more comfortable shooting from a bench or maybe even shooting prone. So in either case, the thing is, um, you have more participation that way because if somebody comes out and even if they've never shot silhouette before and they think it's easy or that they'll do okay, a lot of times people come out and shoot one match or maybe don't even finish the match. And, uh, and I've heard it said more than once, this sucks. I'm going home and I've never seen those folks shoot again. Um, so with this particular match, it's a lot of fun and, uh, to, to be blunt, um, my perspective is that given the quality of most of the rifles that are out there today, we have great optics at all different price points as well. If you've taken the time to uh, figure out what ammo your rifle likes, there's really not very many reasons why you should not shoot 10 for 10 on the chickens at 82 yards and 10 for 10 on the turkeys at 100. There just isn't. Um, now I have shot quite a few matches where I cleaned the chickens and I cleaned the turkeys. And so out of the 20 possible points at that distance, I had 20 points. I have also, um, had times where I would miss a chicken or a turkey. Um, and you know, those were more often than not me shooting fast, uh, probably getting a little cocky, a little arrogant, a little bit of a, Hey, y'all look at me, watch this. Um, you know, just forgetting the fundamentals and not paying attention. When I went to shoot the match, one of the things that I totally did, and this goes back to paying attention, is um, I ended up with a really, just a, a lot of Center X that I've never had this happen before, but this particular lot, it is, um, it gives you moments of brilliance followed by hours of agony. Um, it will stack two or three shots just perfectly. And this is through multiple rifles. It's not just through one or two rifles. It will shoot one or two shots perfectly, just one ragged hole. And then um, there'll be a flyer that has no explanation whatsoever. And that flyer could be an inch or two at, uh, at well, I don't know that I've ever had more than an inch at 50 yards, but I've had, 
an inch high on a shot. And then one or two shots later, I've had an inch low. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's amazing how inconsistent it is. So I use that lot for the offhand stuff because frankly, um, it's, it's expensive ammo to be wasting on standing silhouette. But at the same time, I've already bought it. I'm not going to just sell it to somebody else so they can experience all the misery with it. And um, so I just decided I'll use it for the sanding. Unfortunately, when I got to the match, I totally did not pay attention. And and something I do that I, I have a reason for doing it, but I typically will load magazines at home the night before going to the match. And I do that just so that I don't have to sit there and load magazines at the match um, so I can in between relays, I can go out and help reset targets or paint targets or whatever. Um, or I can, you know, chit chat with my buddies. Um, and frankly, it's so that I don't have all the, the oil and grease off of the ammo, all the lube all over my hands, because then it's all over the bolt. Then it's all over the, um, the trigger. It's all over my clothes. Um, you know, and not like I haven't done this a whole lot in my life. It's just that, you know, I've, I've acquired enough magazines through the years that I can typically get through a lot of matches without having to load at the range. And so I try to do that. But the downside of it is I didn't pay attention. I wasn't thinking on what I was doing. And so I had two different lots of, of center X. I had three magazines loaded with a lot of center X that my rifle absolutely loves and it hammers with. And then I had the other lot that just, you know, sucks. Um, my first target targets that I was shooting at in the match was the chickens at 82 yards. And I grabbed a, I grabbed the magazine. I used one magazine to fire a few side rounds to make sure everything's solid. And then I take that magazine out and I put a fresh 10 round magazine in that way. I don't have to change magazines I can continue to shoot because you're shooting 10 targets. And so I don't have to lose time if, you know, there's a lull in the wind or anything like that. I can take advantage of the, the conditions. The magazine that I used for the ciders was the correct magazine. It was the magazine of the lot that of, of Center X that shoots great in my rifle. The magazine that I pulled out uh, to out of the case to shoot with happened to be the crappy lot. And so I did something I've never done in this match. I actually missed five of the, uh, the chickens. I've never missed five targets sitting from the bench ever in this match combined. And I managed to miss five of the chickens. Um, couldn't figure out what was going on and wasn't until after I finished that, I mean, I thought I was missing wind calls and everything else, but it wasn't until I, I finished that I realized I had the wrong magazine. If I would have stopped what I was doing after the second miss, I more than likely would have, well, I would have looked and realized, hey, you grabbed a magazine out of the wrong row, and I could have dropped that magazine, put a fresh magazine in, and probably been, you know, minimize, I probably would have had more than two misses. But instead, you know, I kept powering through thinking it was something, you know, I was just missing the wind or whatever. So absolutely, by not paying attention and not stopping to see or to think about what was wrong with what was happening, 
I totally cost myself, um, you know, extra misses or or lost points. Um, Moved to the turkeys, put the correct magazine in, uh, ran nine turkeys just about as fast as I could pull the trigger after getting the, uh, the crosshair on them. And on the 10th one, I absolutely was just shooting fast, uh, having fun, kind of felt like I was redeeming myself. And I broke the shot just as I slipped, as the rifle slipped on the bag. And it was a slip because I was, you know, manipulating the bag. And so I sailed the last one over top of the turkey. So I ended up being six down coming off the bench. Um, Followed that up, though, with the offhand shooting. Uh, Did pretty well there. Ended up shooting a uh, 30, I believe it was a 32 um, for the match. So, you know, shot well standing. And it was a real shame because if I had just shot my average, even if it was just eight, you know, missing one chicken and uh, and one turkey, which typically uh, I don't have, I either have no misses or maybe one coming off the bench. I would have won the match, but I totally cost myself because I wasn't paying attention. So, you know, a little takeaway from that, pay attention, um, you know, think things through, label your magazines if you do like I do and, and uh, you you know, you load ahead of time. Um, I keep mine in a small little knockoff Pelican case that came from Harbor Freight. Uh, it's got the pick and pull uh, foam in it. And so I had the magazine standing vertically. But where I made the mistake was um, I had them in rows. And so one row had magazines loaded with the bad lot of Center X. And um, then the next row back had the good lot. I just didn't pay attention. Totally didn't pay attention. Um, so, you know, we'll take away from that one. The third match that I shot recently was, um, it's a different version of Silhouette, because apparently that's just a big thing in my area. But the way that they do the, these matches is they double the distance. So the chickens are at 80 yards. The chickens are at, or I'm sorry, chickens are at 80 yards. Uh, turkeys are at, um, at, they say they're 177, but... My dope said it was 160, and at this particular match, I didn't take a rangefinder because I didn't think I would need to. Again, rookie mistake. I'm not a rookie, but I even had the rangefinder out and thought, ah, I'm riding with a buddy, so that would just be something extra I've got, you know, put in his vehicle. If I'd been in mine, I'd have had it in there and wouldn't have thought anything about it. But um, the pigs are shot at 120, and, um, and then the uh, rams are shot at 200. And so... This match is one I've shot a lot in the past, but this year there's some new guys running it and they kind of modified a few things. Uh, traditionally, you'd have two shooters that start out and they're shooting at the chickens. And when they're done, then they go out, reset the targets. And then those two shooters would move down two benches and they would shoot the pigs because this match is all shot from the bench. So the first two shooters on chickens would then move to pigs. You'd have two new shooters on the chickens. And then after... Um, all four shooters are done. They would all pick their rifles up and move down two more benches. The guys that were on pigs are now shooting turkeys. The guys on chickens are now shooting pigs. And then you have two new shooters shooting, uh, chickens. These guys that are running the match decided to do it differently. They wanted to have four shooters shoot at the same time. Um, the, the first two benches, those guys would shoot the chickens. And then when they were done, they would shoot the turkeys. The guys on benches three and four would shoot the pigs first, and then they would shoot the rams. And then 
they would go out, reset the targets, and then the guys that were shooting the the birds, the turkeys and the chickens, they would now shoot the pigs and the rams and, and vice versa. The crazy thing with that, um, you know, it was a little bit of a different format, definitely something that uh, not, not the way it had been done in the past. Uh, they also did a point system instead of just counting hits. And so their theory was uh, chickens would be worth one point each, so a possible score of 10. Pigs would be worth two points each, so a possible score of 20 on those. Turkeys would be three points each, so a possible score of 30. And then the rams would be worth four points each for a, a possible score of 40. And their theory was that, you know, you get rewarded for the for shooting the longest or the farthest targets you, you get uh you, you get rewarded for shooting those instead of being treated the same as chickens i can't say that i disagree with it um it was a pretty cool way to do things uh, they were also shooting for money so that was something new because um, we don't typically do that and uh, the first match was an open or an unlimited uh, match so you could shoot any rifle any scope um you couldn't use a one-piece rest but you could shoot any any combination you wanted to. The second match, um, in the past, they would do what they called a factory rifle or a squirrel rifle class. So it had to be a factory rifle, and your scope could not be above a non-power mag- magnification. Um, these guys changed the match a little bit to where it they still had to be a factory rifle, but your scope had to be at 16 power magnification or below. And I'm sure that was because one of the guys was shooting a, an SWFA Spix 16 power. But um, anyway, um, the first match, the unlimited match, I was shooting a voodoo and uh, hit all the chickens, hit all the turkeys, except one. Um, went back, hit all the pigs. And then um, on the rams, I was shooting later in the day. And so the wind really started to pick up and... One of the things I, I try to do is to be somewhat disciplined and wait instead of just getting anxious and shooting when the conditions aren't favorable. I don't always do that, though. You know, it's, it, In my mind, it's what I'm going to do, but you know, the execution isn't always there. Well, I shot a few rounds on the cider plate because one of the things these guys did was they said there, there's large cider plates at each distance, but you can only have one 10-round magazine to shoot ciders. So if you um, wanted to shoot a cider at the chickens and the, and then another one at the pigs and then another one at the turkeys. And you had seven ciders left. You could shoot seven ciders on the rams or you could burn them all on the turkeys or the chickens or whatever, but you only had 10. And so when I got to the rams, um, I only had a couple of ciders left because of the, um, where the winds had gotten kind of tricky. So, both my shots, uh, the elevation was perfect. I was almost, uh, uh, it was about a half mil of, of wind at 200. And so the crazy thing is, I was like, you know what, I'm out of ciders, so let's just roll with it. Um, I was trying to watch the wind, had the scope magnification turned way too high. Totally my fault. It's a rookie mistake that I've made before. I still made it again, just wasn't thinking and so um, I was so focused on the targets and I was trying to watch some grass blowing and time the wind and uh, the wind just kept picking up and picking up. So I, 
I fired um, at a couple of, of rams and missed. And unfortunately, I couldn't even see the miss. Like, couldn't see if I went high, couldn't see if I went low. I had nothing to go off of. So I just decided to wait. And um, we only had five minutes to shoot. Well, after about four minutes, uh, and everyone else already being done shooting, it became real obvious, I'm going to have to hurry up and shoot, or I'm going to have just, you know, I'm just going to zero the stage. And so I ended up um, shooting. And what I figured out after the fact was the wind just kept getting worse. But, uh, you know, I rushed the shots. I only ended up getting three rams out of the 10. So ultimately, even though I only had one miss going into the rams, and no question, um, you know, if the conditions had been more favorable, would probably have ran the rams or at least, you know, maybe had one miss, two misses at the most. Instead of winning the match, which is what I was in a prime position to do, came in third. Um, still happened to win a little bit of money, so that was nice. But, um, you know, just one of those things where um, ideally what should have happened is, uh, you know, I should have went ahead and shot. Even though I, I had a couple of misses in that particular case, I was holding out, waiting for the wind to die down, and said it just picked up. So, you know, it's one of those scenarios where you can be darned if you do, darned if you don't. You just have to try to you know, your best to do what you can. But uh, we did move on to the second match. And on that one, like I said, I shot a voodoo in the first one. Uh, it's got a night force attack R on it. And uh, it's just an insanely accurate rig. But um, I decided to bring, uh, for the second rifle, I decided to bring a rifle I've, I've had for a while, but I don't shoot it very often. Um, it's an on-shoots 1416, which is a 64 action. Uh, it's one that they offered for a period of time in a manor stock and it's got a night force in excess, uh, 5.5 to 22 on it. It's a great little rifle and, uh, very accurate as well. But, um, I wanted to, to just get it out and shoot it some. And I thought, well, this is a good opportunity to do it. And so, uh, one of the things I was reminded of as I was shooting the match with it was the scope being at a maximum of 16 power magnification. I could see so much more. I could see the flags because they do have some flags on each of the stands, although they're about 10 feet above the targets. But, um, you know, it was easier for me to adjust the point of aim and, and see what the wind was doing according to the flags. Um, that rifle has a good trigger. Uh, it's not it's not anywhere as good as, as what's in some of my 54 action and shoots, but it's still it's a great trigger. Um, shooting some SK rifle match and I mean, just, you know, rifle shot great. And, uh, it shot well enough for me to, uh, actually have more hits, even though the wind was still, it wasn't as bad as when I was shooting the Rams with the voodoo, but, um, it was, it was really inconsistent and, uh, and at times, you know, it, it absolutely hammered some of the shooters, like the, the shooters that shot before me in the second match, the wins were horrible. And the fellow who won the second match, um, you know, he, he had, or the first match, I mean, he had, uh, you know, quite a few misses and he's a good shooter, very good shooter. Um, so, you know, it became one of those things where it's, uh, some of it's luck. Some of it's just the timing of when you're shooting, 
But that Anschutz did such a great job and was able to uh, I was able to pull off the win in that one, and um, and actually shot a higher score, both in terms of points, but also just in the number of silhouettes that I actually knocked down. I only had I think I think I had four misses on the Rams, um, but outside of that, um, I only had one or no, I missed two turkeys and that was it. Hit all the pigs, hit all the the chickens. Uh, like I said, missed two turkeys and, and, uh, four rams. So all in all, you know, just some takeaways from that, um, you know, patience, you know, patience is absolutely the, the thing that you need. Um, but you also need to realize that if conditions are getting worse, you know, you really do have to kind of weigh the, the odds. Do you go ahead and shoot while they're bad knowing they could get worse or do you wait it out? And in my case, like I said, I waited as long as I could until I was going to end up timing out. But, you know, I'm excited about the way the guys are doing the match because it sounds like it was a lot of fun to shoot. I had a friend of mine. It was his first match. And uh, he had a great time. Um, he had a custom Remex that he had, had built um, that is just shoots lights out. And so, you know, will be it'll be a lot of fun to, um, as he and I get to shoot a lot more, and, you know, whether you win or you lose, as long as you're out there having fun, you know, to me, that's the biggest part of it. I think we all want to win and we want to win as much as we can. But, hey, you know, if you can go out and have a great day shooting, I still think it's better than than uh, uh, the best or the, I guess you could say the worst day shooting. is still probably better than than the best day working. But, you know, maybe not, but it's not too far off. So anyway. Just want to share some of those experiences. Hopefully, uh, you know, I can save you some some wasted rounds downrange or, or, you know, wasting some points just out of, um, you know, not paying attention or not uh, uh, not being patient enough or, or whatever the case may be. Um, don't do what I have, uh, unfortunately, have I have to fight with myself a lot on this, but I have for years fought a, a tendency to, um, if I get a, if I miss, I immediately want to run the bolt and get on the next target as fast as I can. And it's almost, it's, it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, I can't miss fast enough. I just keep shooting. So I have to really fight with myself to not, you know, have that panic attack of, Oh my gosh, what happened here? Why did I miss? And then run the bolt really quickly and, you know, follow it up with another bad shot. So anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, check us out on, on Facebook, Rimfire Tactical. Uh, check us out on the website, rimfiretactical.com, Instagram, it's Rimfire Tactical, uh, the YouTube channel, uh, we're getting everything set up there. We're going to start sharing some videos and things, but, um, thanks so much for tuning in, go out, have fun, shoot fast, shoot often. And remember, it's not just a 22. Cheers.